Amen. Turn around and say hello to someone and then be seated. Yes, we had a great, great day today. God was good to us. We want to continue to stay focused on worldwide evangelization and missions. And uh, we have some great things coming up this week. Don't forget this Saturday, we begin our Fill America and Fill Virginia campaign. And we want to lead the way for the state and for the nation so that we can be a positive example to others and win precious souls to Jesus Christ by, uh, by being part of a record-breaking uh, door hanger experience this next Saturday at 10 o'clock. We're going to have over 840 door hangers to go out. We want every adult and their children that can possibly come out to come out and let's do a great work for God together. Let's see it that way for the glory of God. Amen. And amen. I can't wait. It's, uh, it's, I can't wait till Saturday, Brother Daquan. Looking forward to what God is going to do. You can come out, bring your kids. They can be part of the blessing, and uh, they'll, they'll be able to rejoice with us. Now, beginning Saturday and through two Saturdays after that, which would be the day before Easter or Resurrection Sunday, we want to distribute as many tracts as we possibly can. We have Smiley Face tracts available, and uh, we have already... The Winnegars have already gone ahead and purchased our goal, and uh, that is the number of tracks that are our goal, and uh, we're going to start with that, and we're going to get that distributed first and foremost. Step out in faith and do something great for God. I want to challenge you to, to uh, set a goal that's so great only God can help you to reach that, and uh, do something wonderful for the Lord. Put those tracks in the hands of people. Give them a smile and a smile. At the same time, praise the Lord. All right, so we want to do that. Let's keep on reading through the Bible. Today, you should be through Deuteronomy 13, 14, and 15, and the New Testament, John 21, and Acts chapter 1. So let's keep on keeping on in that respect. We have uh, coming up in the days ahead also, uh, this Wednesday night, I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, continuing on as we finish that book and move then later into 2 Corinthians and uh, be part of that Wednesday night at 7 30. And then, as we have stated already, we have coming up Palm Sunday on the 2nd of April. We have the Lord's Supper observance right here, 7.30, Tuesday night, April the 4th. I'm excited about that. Plans are coming together for that. And then Sunday, that the world knows is Easter, is Resurrection Sunday, our musical. We've already started practicing for that. And we want to invite 5, 10, 15, 20, or more people to come out. Let's get a good crowd out. Everybody goes to church on Easter. So let's bring them out here where they're going to hear the gospel story and folks are going to get saved. We're going to have a wonderful, wonderful time through this season. Coming up at the end of the month of April, on the 29th, we have a parasol tea. A parasol tea. Wonderful, delicious luncheon for ladies and girls with fun food fellowship, prizes, surprises, and a devotional. It's absolutely free. Come and bring someone with you. And young girls must be old enough to sit quietly through the entire program. All right. Those are just a few of the great things that are going on. And I'm glad to be part of this church that emphasizes that the way of the cross leads home. That song by Jesse Pounds and music by Charles Gabriel, who was probably, he would have been like the Bill Gaither of his day. He wrote just all kinds of tunes, all kinds of songs. That, that summarizes exactly where we need to be, uh, both in terms of the, the symbolism 
of the cross, but also the reality of the power of the cross. The cross, which is dying to a self-willed way of life. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but I, Christ liveth in me. I live by the power of the Son of God. Praise the Lord who gave Himself for me. Uh, the disciples uh, needed to know some principles. And so Jesus spoke in these terms to illustrate what He was talking about when He talked about that way of the cross. Turn with me, if you would please, to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 tonight. There's some scriptures you're going to want to mark down. You're going to write, take some notes, and you'll be glad that you did tonight. I'd like to welcome all the folks online that are tuning in around the area and around the world. God bless you. All right, Mark chapter 8. And Jesus, of course, is going to be speaking now. We're going to start in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 34. He has just rebuked the devil who spoke through Peter. Peter was out of line. And um, uh, the Lord said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou uh, savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. We all have the potential to sink to the lowest depths. And we have potential in Christ to rise. And we need to remember that we're totally dependent upon Him. If ever I'm left to my own devices, my own strength, my own uh, human pseudo-spirituality, I will sink as low or lower than Peter did. And so will you. But if, if we just remember to stay completely and totally dependent upon the Lord, connected, abiding in Christ, and Christ abiding in us, then we can reach those heights by the grace of God and for His glory. All right, in verse 34, And when He had called the people unto Him with His disciples also, He said unto them. So it's a mixed group of His, of his disciples, the twelve, and then the people. He says, Whosoever will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There it is. Denying ourself. In the Psalms, David speaks in the 119th Psalm about being afflicted. And I know that affliction sometimes refers to persecution and God permits it. But being afflicted also has to do with our, our humbling ourselves. And that's what's necessary if we're going to have an old-fashioned Holy Ghost-sent revival. We need to humble ourselves. There's no room for pride. Today at the dinner table, enjoyed so much the fellowship of uh, Ken and Tricia uh, Sturtz. And he was talking about his first pastor, Brother Nelson. Brother Nelson of uh, the, uh, the church there in Oshkosh uh, did, does not have an ounce of pride anywhere in him. He's common, ordinary individual God has used greatly. We've got an extraordinary God, but we're ordinary people. And we can't allow pride to rise up within us. We just need to give God the glory all the time. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. That means we deny our self-willed way of living. We deny the self-ism, everything that is directed by self, dominated by self. Uh, self has to die and has to die daily, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, we need to die to a self-willed way of life. There comes a time early on in our Christian experience we have to decide, is it going to be for Jesus or is it going to be for me? And if it's going to be for Jesus, then we have to cross that spiritual Jordan and die. There has to be a decision. We drive a stake. We say, this, here it is. This is it. Right here and now, 
I want Jesus to have His way with me. I want Jesus, I acknowledge Him as Lord <coughs> over all of my life. So we need to deny ourselves, and then we need to take up our cross. Now the cross, please understand this. People say, I you just don't know how hard I have it. Don't know how hard I have it. It's such a cross to bear. And they'll name something. Some circumstance in their life. Now that could be a burden. Or worse. But it's not a cross. Because a cross is what we voluntarily pick up for the glory of God. In denying ourselves, in not allowing pride and not allowing self to have its way with us, we pick up that cross. Now, folks are coming down here, and they're looking over the crosses, and they're saying, you know, uh, Lord, I'm willing to bear a cross, but, you know, couldn't you give me a padded one? Couldn't you give me a light one that's made out of balsa wood, not big, heavy, hardwood cross? We don't get to choose that. God directs us to the cross that we voluntarily choose to pick up. But He guides us. He directs us. You don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. And sometimes the flesh rankles, doesn't the flesh. The flesh comes back and thinks of excuses and gets complaining and so on and so forth. And I got my hand raised. And you know what? We need Jesus to put the sweetness back in us and not be bitter and upset and nasty. Another subject I don't want to give it all away, but one subject that Brother Ken and I were the same age. We were talking about what we've seen and what others have commented on they've seen. They've seen full-time Christian workers through the years. One way or another, they were mistreated, not treated right. Maybe the pastor was attacked or his wife or his kids or whatever, mistreated by a church or churches or whatever, and one after another. And we've seen this, haven't we, sweetheart? And they didn't stay sweet. They got bitter. They get, they get up in years, and they're just so bitter, and... They, they just as soon, you know, send the church and all its members to a place where the devil's going. That's how bitter and how angry and upset they get. We need to pray that God will preserve His sweetness within us. That we'll, we'll be tough on the outside, but soft and sweet on the inside, tender on the inside. Amen? Amen. So take up your cross. You don't get to negotiate on which cross, or how comfortable the cross is, or how many hours a day you get to bear the cross. That bearing the cross, that's between you and the Lord. That's between me and my Savior, Jesus Christ. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Now, this does not have necessarily to do with martyrdom, even though it's been used that way. And we may face martyrdom in this country. We have been so blessed among the nations of the world. The Christians of this nation have not faced anything near to what others in other nations have faced. God has been so good to us. But this saving and losing of the life has to do with this. It's back to this. This is the life I would choose over here. But this is the life that the Lord wants me to live. Which one am I going to take? That's it. You save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose that, you're going to save it in the sense that your purpose, your life will be saved and that your life will have purpose and meaning and it will do and accomplish what God has for you. In eternity past, 
God had a plan for you and for me. And God wanted us to simply yield to Him. It starts with getting saved. After getting saved, every day we yield ourselves, we surrender ourselves. Uh, you know, uh, the, the sacrifice in the Old Testament was tied to the altar. Now, the sacrifice that was tied to the altar had no physical way of getting off the altar. It was a big slab of meat. It was as dead as can be. But that tying is a picture. The picture of you and me, when we give ourselves in sacrifice, our life is given over to the Lord, we don't need to take it back. We don't need to give up when it gets a little rough, when things are a little tough, a little uncomfortable. You're a little uncomfortable today. I've been a little uncomfortable in recent weeks. And there are times I haven't always comported myself in that surrendered fashion, but we need to. We need to tie the sacrifice to the horns of the altar and not take it back. Amen. Our spirit, our attitude needs to be right. We need to, we need to lose that self-willed way of life. We need to save that life that the Lord would give us, that He would choose for us. There it is. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I've written a song about this, about soul winning, about lost people coming to God. And it can certainly be applied that way. Uh, Tom, we've preached this in any number of ways. But also it refers to this business of our surrender as believers. Do you know that? It's in that context. And, and that's it. There are some people who have been called to serve God and because they're full of self, a self-willed way of living, and uh, they've climbed back off of the altar to go their own way and do their own thing, guess what? They have, they have lost not their salvation, but they have lost the life that they could have lived that was productive and meaningful. They could have made a difference in this old dark world, but they didn't because they willfully and deliberately went back. My, my. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The way of the cross, the way of taking up our cross daily, dying to a self-willed way of life, letting Jesus have his way, that's the way that leads home. That's the way that leads to success. That's the way that avoids that horrible and terrible shame. William Barclay, great Christian writer, said this, It is possible to be a follower of Jesus without truly being a disciple. You may be a camp follower without being a soldier of the king. You can be a hanger-on in some great work without pulling one's weight. Does that describe you? Sometimes in your service, just kind of on the fringe, in the fringe, now, if you really, really love the participation in some athletic endeavor, and if it involves some kind of full contact, anybody with me now? You don't just want to say, listen, on this next play, tell you what, 
I'm going to get way out here in the flat and watch what happens, okay? Now, you might be able to get away with that for a play or two, you know? Quarterback's under center, takes that snap, steps back, and there you are, way out in the flat, you know? And he can loft that out. That might work for a play or two. That's not going to work all the time. Now, in Australian football, rugby, those scrums that they have, that they call them, you are in it. You are right in there. Now, I'm not glorifying physicality in sports, but I'm saying there are certain sports where if you were playing Australian football, uh, rugby, you would not be able to be out in the flat. It doesn't work that way. No, no, no. Everybody's in there. You're all part of it. And that's the way it is in the work of God. There's a lot of physicality, spiritually speaking, of course. There's, there's a lot of our being in the middle of it. And that's, that's where the satisfaction comes. When you've finished 840-plus doors next Saturday, we're going to sit down and rest a little while. Glory to God. Amen. I remember two times ago, the goal I took, I'm not going to talk about it and glorify it because I don't want to do that. But I remember, I set a goal. And about halfway through that, Daquan, I was thinking to myself, man, it wouldn't be so bad if it was all downhill, but this, i got to come back uphill again. So I'm working uphill, door to door and door to door and counting them off. And it's another five and another ten and another twenty. And I'm going and I'm going and I'm going. And uh, I'm feeling it. But you know what? There's a satisfaction in that. And I did pace myself. I didn't have a heart event or anything like that. But it required something. In the sense of dying to a self-willed way of life and getting totally and completely engaged, committed to the work of God. We're not alone. I mean, we're right there in the scrum and we're embraced by the grace of God. Embraced by grace I don't want to be a hanger-on. I don't want to be a camp follower. I want to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. I want to be a participant. I want to get right in there. I, I, want, to, uh, I want to be uh, committed to the truth. Barclay goes on, he says, once someone was talking to a great scholar about a younger man, he said, so-and-so tells me that he was one of your students. The teacher answered devastatingly, he may have attended my lectures but he was not one of my students. There's a world of difference between attending lectures and being a student. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's one thing to stand on the sidelines and cheer. It's something else to get into the thick of it. There's a world of difference. It's one of the supreme handicaps of the work of God today that in the churches there are so many distant followers. They follow afar off and so few genuine disciples. I want to be an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to be in the way of the cross that leads home. I want to be in the blood-sprinkled way as it says in our song that we sang tonight. So I want to be more than a follower. A disciple, first and foremost, is a follower plus. You say, what's the plus? The plus means not just there for the good times, not just the sunshine soldiers, but there in the thick of it no matter what. 
when you are a true friend, you will be there. You may not say it, or you might say it. You might say, I'm here for the long haul. You can count on me. I'm not quitting. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not giving up. And you prove it over time. I believe in any viable ministry work for God, you prove it over time. You prove it day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You don't give up. You don't quit. You don't turn aside. There, there is no fad about going swerving this way or swerving that way, but you're right on, right on, right on. I'm going to read that Bible. I'm going to read that Bible. Now, our spirit needs to be right about it. We need to have a right heart. But even when we're tired and our eyes are closed, we need to read that chapter. We need to read that verse. We need to take it in and say, Lord, give me something out of that. Amen. Amen. Need to climb that last hill on visitation. Need to go to that last door. How many times have we found when you go to that last door and you get that last one? You know, we had uh, some time ago, I, I did an area, and I came to the last door, and I'm sorry, I didn't have any more literature. So I reached in, and I took out a smile track. And I put that smile track in the door. There was nobody home. I left it there. Do you know that somebody came from that address? They came from that address because what they had in their door was a smile track. And I knew I was able to track that down. No pun intended. I was able to, to realize that. God can use a little smile track even when you've run out of literature. If you, if you make the effort to go to that last door, make that last turn, that last cul-de-sac, you make that, that last street, praise God, He's going to bless you for that. Even if it takes us an extra half hour or hour this week to hit that record, we can say we did that for the glory of God. The way of the cross leads home. Amen. And amen. Why don't you go back with me uh, to 2 Timothy again. 2 Timothy in chapter 2. What a wonderful chapter. It says in verse 1, Thou therefore, my son. Paul is writing to Timothy as a spiritual father. And Timothy is the spiritual son. That is the relationship between an older and more mature believer who is mentoring a protege. And that's the relationship. You have the endearment. You have the connection. You have the respect. And sometimes, I remember growing up, my dad would say, do something, and I would do it. Now, he was always a loving man. He was not a harsh man. But he would say, do it. And even, even though he didn't have a snarl in his voice, I would do it because, just because he was my dad. That's it. And in the same way, there are some believers who have been down this path, and we have seen what it is along the way to be successful when we've yielded to God. And we also understand what it is to fail when we've had it my way, when we've done it our own self-willed way. We want to die to that, and we want to train everybody that's coming up every day we need to die. I die daily, Paul says, elsewhere. That's it. And so he says, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You say, well, that's... Too much to ask to be strong. What if a person by nature is weak? We are all by a certain degree, we are all weak in the flesh. But we all have available the grace to do whatever it is God's will that He wants us to do. 
So it doesn't matter what He calls us to be or to do. He always gives us enough. Jesus Christ always provides. He always gives us what we need. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. We have a, we have a visitor flying around, I see, over here. It, was he a Baptist? All right. A Baptist now. Amen. Okay. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Verse number 2 of 2 Timothy 2 is the basis for our local church Bible institute. Before there ever was uh, any kind of Bible college or, or uh, Bible institute or training center away from the local church, before that ever existed, there was the local church. And we believe in the primacy of the local church. Technically, every teaching arm of the church extends from the pulpit. Every teacher is an extension of the pulpit. Every leader in the church is an extension of the pastor. We're all on the same page. We all serve the same great shepherd, the same good, kind, and great shepherd. We are all serving the same Lord, the same master. That's it. We understand that. Therefore, therefore, as we pass the torch, as we pass the baton to the next generation, we don't alter it. And they receive it knowing they don't alter it. The ministry is to stay the same. And as I've said before, if, uh, if I were to rise from the dead a hundred years from now, if Jesus hasn't come back already, if I were to rise from the dead and come back and walk into this church, I pray that there would be someone standing in the pulpit preaching the same message from the same Bible in the same way to the same kind of believers as we have today. I would pray that the place would be packed overflowing. I would pray that there would be multiple services. And that would be the natural result of God blessing His Word. Not man creating some new thing that, oh, this is a novel idea. This will get the crowds in. Oh, listen, I can tell you, for every one idea you have about getting the crowds in by human innovation, I've got a hundred. I can top you by 99 on every one you give me. And you know what? Mine will be just as worldly and fleshly and wrong as yours. The old way, the old path, that's it. That's the way, the way of the cross. People don't want to hear that. This is a 